I do look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff. We should win games. We have to perform, though. We're going to hold ourselves to a high standard no matter what happens. You know, defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Week 18, and the rivalry could get no better, and the rivalry could not be more bitter as your Cleveland Browns head to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Acrisure Stadium on Sunday afternoon to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good evening, friends. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. It is the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Gerard, evening, my friend. Hello, Kenneth. Wonderful to hear your voice. Wonderful to see you. Away we go with four downs. First down. A tough way to start this one, Jerron. DeMar Hamlin in the scary situation that played out in Cincinnati on Monday night. The update as of Wednesday afternoon from the Bills. DeMar remaining, quote, DeMar remaining in, uh, in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. He's expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. So, Gerard, let me ask you, what went through your mind as you watched everything unfold on Monday? Well, first and foremost, the thought was, oh, no, why are all these guys crowded around and why have they been there so long? Because I turned into the game late. And after finding out what was going on, like everyone else, said a prayer and then just watched it unfold, kid, and just watching the guys understanding how tough of a situation that's it is to be in because of the fact that in this game you understand that that can take place, but you hope and pray that, one, it doesn't happen to you or your teammates or anyone else that you're on the football field with and observing that because it just makes the reality of what you try to mentally block out and think about is now real and tangible to you. You see it unfolding and you're witnessing it, and it's just one of those things where now a game that was probably going to be billed as the best game of the season doesn't matter anymore. You don't care about playing football anymore. Your mindset is on life and death and not mm-hmm. going out there and executing and making a block or making a tackle or catching a pass or throwing a pass. So as a player, it just makes everything secondary. You start thinking about family and friends and your teammates and everything else. And those things, generally speaking, Ken, when you're playing a football game, you're blocking that stuff out. And your mind's completely focused on the task at hand because if it isn't, you're going to get hurt, and that's one of the great things about what they did on Monday was not allowing the game to go on. I know they initially said a five-minute break, but I knew that wouldn't be enough considering the circumstances, and I think ultimately they made the right decision, not saying that more people would have got hurt, but as, trust me when I tell you, you don't want to play football when you have that type of a situation take place on the football field. Uh, it was uh, As a fan, it was clearly scarier than anything else I had seen. Um, because, you know, this was obviously much different. Uh, I mean, we've seen uh, ambulances come out before, sad to say, but obviously this was a much different situation. The only thing I could really say on on Tuesday morning was to give thoughts and prayers to, to DeMar Hamlin, his family, and, and everybody involved because, frankly, there was a lot of speculation, and there's a lot of things that we, we just didn't know yet, and there's a lot of things we couldn't know yet. I mean, he wasn't right. out of the woods. As of Monday night, it seems that things are getting better and better, but he's still listed in critical condition. And so there's a lot of things that I just frankly did not want to speculate about because we didn't have all the 
information at that time. We have a little bit more information now, but still, I, I think I kind of leave it to the players at hand and, and what they saw and, and how they feel and, and the real conversations that they have with each other and the real conversations they have with their families. And then, you know, the conversations that they have with each other about carrying on. It looks like a week 18. Obviously, we'll go on, uh, it seems, as scheduled. Uh, how will the Bills and even the Bengals move forward after what happened on Monday night? It's going to be one of the toughest mental adjustments that you'll ever experience for these players. And the reason why I say that is because it's still fresh. He's still in the hospital. And in order to do what they're trying to accomplish, Ken, the level of intensity and physicality that you have to bring to the table is paramount. And at the same time, you saw what that can lead to. So you know what that can lead to. How do you say, okay, and go beyond that and say, okay, we still got a goal as a team. And ultimately, what would he, Hamlin, want us to do? Yeah. What would be the message, move forward, go on, and take that approach is really the only way from the Bills' perspective that I can see you move forward. And for the Bengals, it's similar but different, obviously, because it's not their teammate, but they saw it and witnessed it, and so it's just as problematic. But if it goes back to, okay, and you don't, you don't want to sound selfish and – Lacking in empathy by saying this, Kim, but you really do have to take the approach, okay, we have to move forward and move on, and as we'll take the information as we learn of his status and go from there and keep praying that it continues to improve because that certainly helps the cause. But yeah. it's going to be one of the toughest things that these guys ever had to do as players because your mind still may be on, you know what, I don't want to hit that guy. I don't want to block that guy to the level of intensity that I normally would do it. And in order to play this game at the highest level, you have to do that. You can't have a game in which you're approaching like a Pro Bowl in a regular season, especially with the stakes that are on hand for who they're playing this week as well for both teams. Let's get the second down. Second down. Browns, they get Washington in Washington 24-10. Boy, a tale of two halves. Gerard coming out party for Deshaun Watson, do you think, there in the second half? Because the first half, not exactly what anybody wanted to see, including Deshaun. He was critical of himself. Uh, what did you think of the performance on, on Sunday? I mean, that's a fair assessment. Obviously, in the first half, it was not stellar. And you would say, Deshaun, in some cases, you may have been trying to do too much as opposed to taking what the defense was giving you at that moment. Now, granted, I love the no-surrender attitude and ha-ha-ha, staying alive, staying alive in that pocket. But ultimately, he got sacked a few times. And it's just a matter of, again, the timing, the chemistry, the trust of his offensive line as well as developing that rapport with his receivers, all that's not going to happen in the course of five to six games, Ken. It takes time to develop that in the offseason, during training camp, during the preseason games, and during the course of the season. So though we're expecting bigger things in that first half, I'm so happy that we saw what we saw in the second half of what could be and what can be. And, and with that, you saw guys making plays. And give props to Coop as well. This dude is doing this not being, in my opinion, 100%. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I got to tell you, I think I have a bit of a blind spot there for Ron Rivera because he, I, I looked at the schedule and I go, okay, you know, you had two chances with, with Taylor Heineke to wrap this thing up. I can understand Carson Wentz and going back to Carson Wentz. Hey, Ron Rivera, I got a world of respect for Ron Rivera. And not that the, the naysayers don't respect Ron Rivera, but you and I disagreed during the week and I saw Carson Wentz and went, nope, I was wrong. This is really, really bad. This was a really, really bad decision by Ron Rivera. He's going to go back to Taylor Heideke to finish the season uh, coming up this weekend. And then I think 
Sam Howell. Uh, their rookie is probably yes, going to get some starting. playing time. He is. Yeah, he's going to be the starter. Oh, okay, he's going to be the starter. Okay, so Sam Howell will be the starter. So, I mean, a missed opportunity for the Commanders uh, yeah. in that football game, but I'll, t- I'll take advantage of it. One of the things, though, that was said, Gerard, you know, mm-hmm. I was listening to a couple of the, the, the national perspectives of it, and one of the comments that were said was, you know, you don't pay $230 million to the quarterback for that performance, and I'm thinking, yeah, you kind of do. Who I mean, said when that? You, <laughs> well, I really don't want to. I don't really. Uh, it was Bill Simmons. Okay, I, I didn't want to say the name, but it was Bill Simmons uh, because I, I kind of went. Well, I understand that the total stat line isn't exactly what anybody would want, but I've seen a lot of. And I'm not taking a shot at any quarterback in particular, man. I've watched this team since before they came mm-hmm. back in '99, and clearly we've been all watching this team since '99. So I've seen a lot of quarterbacks go out and put out terrible performances in the first half, and continue to do so in the second half. But you pay that money, you pay franchise money for a franchise quarterback to, yeah, if he struggles in the first half, to go pick himself back up and fix it at halftime, and go out and do what Deshaun Watson did in the second half, which is go out and win the football game. Exactly, and I'll take it a week prior. What he did in the game in which we lost to the Saints. He put us in a position to tie the game, so it wasn't like he didn't do his his job, but what these types are going to do is that they're going to look at the stats, they're going to look at the numbers, and if they're anti-Watson, I'm not saying that he necessarily is, but the whole point of what I'm saying is, is that if you have a bias towards someone, or maybe you are even trying to operate from obje- objectivity, if you watch this and you've watched it close with me since his return, Ken, do you walk away from experience saying to yourself that this guy is problematic, that this dude is not getting better week in and week out? No. And granted, yes, the no. first half of that game was not what you would say would be considered franchise quarterback play. But all franchise quarterbacks have their halves, have their quarters, have their drives, where simply put, it's horrible. If and granted, go ahead, go ahead. And granted, with that being said, the fact that he could rally himself in the second half to get to where he was at and didn't let himself down or, his, more importantly, his teammates, that's the type of stuff that you build upon. That can help you establish a culture of winning as opposed to one of obscurity and mediocrity. If the game would have finished the way it started in the first half, I, I, I think you and I'd be having a different conversation right now. Uh, but it didn't. And, and yeah, I, I don't think that we're out of the woods just yet. I think that there needs to be continued growth. But I think I'm seeing growth. Now, that being said, I think that I'd like to see him have a very strong finish to the season. And we'll talk about that coming up right now in third down. Third down. Gerard, exactly that. I I think that this final game, I think not necessarily, you know, we, I, I think we overrate momentum within an organization because so many things change. Right. All right. When it comes to the players, I listen to the players on that and, and players have said momentum counts. Okay. But I think when it, when you look at the organization, they're small rosters when you compare them to high school and college, and so many things can change. I don't know how much momentum makes sense there. But Deshaun Watson's going to be here. Right. Some of the surrounding pieces are certainly going to be here. Some of the offensive line, a lot of the offensive line is obviously going to be here. Anything else, I think it's just other different conversations. And so I think that it is very important to go to Pittsburgh and have a nice, strong game. And it's not just because of the organization. I really think it's more so for the fans. All right, we're going to have a nice eight-month-long offseason here. You don't want to have tough conversation over eight months. You want something to look forward to during the offseason, something to look forward to getting ready for training camp, 
coming up this coming July to get ready for the 2023 campaign because in a lot of ways you are playing for keeps throughout all of 2023, Gerard. So I think Sunday is very important. Uh, Sunday is extremely important. You have an opportunity, one, to derail the Steelers' playoff hopes, no matter what happens in Miami or New England and what that entails. But the fact that you have an opportunity to do just that and they're your rival and they're in your division, that that makes all the sense in the world because that sends a message for the upcoming season that, hey, we've beaten you twice. What are you going to do about it? So you want to, one, send that message within your division. And on top of that, Ken, when you have your core, and we know who the core is, Watson's certainly a part of that core, what you want with that core is to establish winning in all situations, in all conditions. And as Mike Tomlin, hate to borrow from him, but he's right. There's a standard, and your standard should be that every time you step on that football field, you don't care who's in uniform, your mentality as a football team and as an organization is is that we're here to win and we're here to play a brand of football in which we want to establish. And what I want to see established on Sunday is that we win no matter what's at stake. We play yeah. hard, we compete no matter what's at stake, just like we did with the Commanders. We had no, They had more of a reason to play than we did, but if you watch that game, you wouldn't walk away from that experience. To the defense's credit, they played four full quarters. And the offense finally came alive, and special teams did what they need to do for four quarters. So we saw in the second half, for sure, complimentary football. Why not carry on this week? Have that good feeling. Now, granted, it could dissipate in the offseason, no doubt about it. But your core knows what it's like, and then it's the job of your core players to make sure and express and maintain accountability in that locker room that everyone else who comes into the fold follows suit. You look at this entire Steelers team that the Browns are playing. They started off the season 2-6. and six. Fans in Pittsburgh, I was listening to 93-7 at that time. I mean, fans in Pittsburgh were calling in talking about taking a quarterback in the first round. Now they're 8-8. Eight and eight. Things uh, are different. Uh-huh. Things are different offensively for them. Things are certainly different defensively for them. They have a chance to make the playoffs. You said that. How do you go about neutralizing Kenny Pickett? He's had a hot hand in the fourth quarter of these last two ball games. That's the key part, though. The fourth quarter of these ball games, to his credit, he's found a way to get the job done. But probably but, – during a t- span between the first quarter and the f- and the fourth quarter, in some situations, he's anemic, to say the say the to say the least. In yeah. that he's he's their their lowest in touchdown scored on the season. He's like a six point one four yard average per throw. So it's not like he's lighting the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. So what you want to do is put him in a situation where you're forcing him to pass again, like Carson Wentz. I told you last week, Ken. You want this, and he's a rookie, so I'm not going to bang on him that bad. You want him passing the football. The Steelers right now are finding their identity again by running the ball. And when they're running the football, I believe that's when they're at their best. Time for fourth down. Fourth down. Crazy season, long season. As we start to wind down all this year, what will we remember the most about 2022, now 2023? Best game of the year, best moment, or play of the year? What do you got? Well, unfortunately, from from I want I love to be optimistic here, but I would say lost opportunity because I'm watching some of these teams that are going to make it to the playoffs. Ken, I'm saying that could be us. That should have been us. If you look back at the Jets game, you look back at the Falcons game, the Chargers game. The Chargers are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, to the playoffs. That's a, that'd be amazing if they did go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But that could have been us. So I look at it from that standpoint. But on a positive note, seeing. One thing I'm going to remember it was the celebration between Jacoby and Deshaun and just the level of elation that took place in that Ravens game when they were excited and what that represented. And also that Cincinnati game was, was pretty spectacular as well. 
Just a Boy, scene on Halloween point. night. I think the wildest thing has to be the weather game against the Saints. I know it was a loss, but how it just became a, a, a third participant in that right. football game, uh, I think that was one of the wildest things. And I, I think that we'll – you're going to have another bad weather day again, and we will reference this day For in sure. years to come. That will happen. I, I think that, that Tampa Bay win, the, the win – that Jacoby got against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh-huh. I, I felt good for Jacoby. I felt good for the Browns. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was a really nice moment. So that is four downs. Fans, mark your calendars for face-off on the leg. It's presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, and they're starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. Coming up next, I'll sit down one-on-one with Browns Pro Bowl guard Joel Batonio. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns kicker Cage York. This is Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Back at Maria, Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry, the Cleveland Browns preview show, getting you set for the Browns and Steelers coming up from Acrisure Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And Browns all-pro guard Joel Batonio joins us on the show to preview it. Joel, thanks for joining us. Yeah, always a pleasure to be on the show with you guys, you know, last one of the year, so let's let's make it good. You're 10 for you. We've talked a lot of times, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been quite a bit, but it's always been good. You know, we've always had our good conversations and stuff, you know, not like some of the people I have to talk to, so it's it's been a pleasure. Was it, who was that a shot at when you just asked that? Oh, just some people, you know what I mean? I mean, no, no shots at anybody. I'm a, I'm a three-time media good guy award, so I appreciate everybody that, you know, has to do their jobs. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Walter Payton, Man of the Year. When you are selected by the Cleveland Browns as Walter Payton Man of the Year, what's that mean to you? Oh, it means a heck, heck of a lot. Um, you see, you know, what guys in the past have done for this community. You know, I came in with, like, a Joe Thomas, Alex Mack, Greco. Those guys were, were so big in the community. And so for me to look up to them um, and just try and follow suit and, and see what I could do to help the community um, and then to get the nomination from the Browns, it meant a lot. You know, it's, it's one of the bigger awards in my career. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can continue to build on that and, and get some uh, – money raised for some good causes, you know, out here in Cleveland. What are some of the good causes you're raising money for? Yeah, big time. We do the uh, food bank usually. Um, I'm big time in the food bank. Um, my mom's a teacher, so we do a lot of stuff with um, the schools and stuff, you know what I mean? Like early childhood development, things of that nature. I recently started working with a kid again, which is kids with, you know, terminal and, uh, you know, cancer diseases and stuff, but they try and make their lives as, as, as fun as possible, give them the opportunity to experience things that other kids get to, get to do as well, you know? And then also... I um, try and give back to um, my hometown back in Long Beach, California as well. Your mom's a teacher. You've never told me that. I had no idea how long. Uh, she's going on like close to 25 years now. So she's been a, a you know, teacher's third grade in California. So she's, uh, she's out there. She's getting close to retirement, though. She's getting ready. She has a couple more years, I think. So how much, I mean, you can be as honest as you want. How much has it changed with the parents? Because I've always tried to be like my dad, like if something happens... Like, what did he do instead of what did you do? Which I always think that's kind of changed with our generation. Like, it always seems to be the teacher's fault instead of the kids. Yeah. Um, well, it, and it shouldn't be that way, by the way. No, it was always my fault if anything happened, you know. And I, I was a mostly good kid. You know, I think everybody went through those, like, middle school, 
times where you tried to be a class clown and stuff and you really weren't that funny but you thought you were funny um but no now that i have kids of my own and i see how it works you know i think the teachers are in the right most of the time how many do you have now two what's that like oh it's fun christmas was great this year you know you get to kind of relive it through their lives my daughter's about to turn four on saturday so we're a big birthday you know all she said she wanted was a win this week so that's that's what i'm going to try and do Hopefully we'll get that coming up on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we preview that game, you know, you're a football player. You've been in this league a long time. You're one of the guys who are gold standard. Can you take us through your thoughts of when DeMar Hamlin went down back on Monday Night Football? Yeah, it was it was pretty shocking. Um, you know, I was actually in the basement. I was cleaning something up, and I walked upstairs, and I saw the ambulance on the, on the field, and I asked my wife. I was like, oh, what happened? And she was listening to a podcast, so she didn't even know. And then, you know, real quick, I realized, like, it was a serious situation. Um, and anytime you see that, you know, as NFL football players, we understand we put our bodies at risk when you go out on the field. But you never expect that risk to be a life or death situation, you know, you think that you can recover from. And um, to see that and to see that, you know, what was, was truly, truly shocking and sad. And I know the NFL and the NFL um, teams did a great job of, of you know, getting there first responders did an amazing job and stuff and and hopefully he can pull through i know the whole community the whole world's really you know behind him right now and trying to give him as much support as possible but it's a shocking situation and, and you never expect something like that to happen on the football field joe batonio joining us on the show did you guys talk about it much as a team we did we we mentioned i mean we play this game it, it's in our league he's one of our brothers and so the team talked about it you know we have counselors if we ever need to talk to somebody about those situations even the families and stuff can get involved because it's it's a shocking and, and truly truly tragic event and um you know obviously we're hoping for the best but you never know with those situations how could things change across the offensive line for you or how that how has that change been across the offensive line for you guys with what technically with michael dunn what four different centers yeah it's it's uh it's been different you know i think poe has played really really well this year though he's he, you know when he's been in there but obviously you know that things has changed so he's been in the last couple of weeks and i think you've seen you know the run game and stuff come back but um it's one of the things we're working through you know and the o-line is uh it's such a tough position because when you keep five guys on the field it's a it's a huge advantage for you um, but when you lose a guy, you got to be ready for the next man up. And I think those guys that have come in have, have really done an admirable job. But um, no, I, I've I've had a, a you know real pleasure playing with Poe this year. Have there been challenges for you because of the weather? Like you go from negative twenty to sixty in Washington, and I think this Sunday should be okay in Pittsburgh. Is there like I don't know? Does it affect your skin or does it affect your your feelings, your your health? What does it affect? I don't know if it affects your feelings, but you get what I'm saying. Oh yeah, weather man, it's a uh, it's a big one. No, honestly, I've never. Uh, I always try and downplay the coldness. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was freezing that game against the Saints. It was very, very, very cold. It felt like a summer day in California, in in, uh, in you know Washington. Like no humidity. It was like 60 degrees. You know, just have a nice little sweat, a little breeze coming through the stadium. Um, so it was good. I was actually looking forward to the sun because we had been in such a cold you know weather here in cleveland but sometimes you do get that you go down and play in florida and you come back home and it's like ice snow out you know and you're like this is this good for my immune system right now you don't really know you try and stay on top of your sleep and your vitamins but it's nfl you know you never know what you're gonna get week to week did you wear sleeves in that saints game I did not, but I have a giant elbow brace on my right, um, so that kind of takes up a little bit. But no, my skin was definitely showing, and you could tell uh, whatever was showing and whatever wasn't showing. It was cold. I had a thermal like cutoff underneath and some thermal pants, but 
I don't think anything was really helping. You know, that was like you come to the sideline. It was actually hard to breathe with like how cold. I don't know if it was like the water vapor in it or how cold it was, but like it was tough to breathe after you got going like three or four plays in a row that game. I can imagine. I mean, I can't imagine because I was leaving to go back, and as I was walking back, I went to talk to somebody, and it, like takes your breath away the wind coming in off the, off the lake. Uh, but it'll be a better situation getting ready for Pittsburgh on Sunday. They're a team trying to make the playoffs. You're a team trying to take them out of the playoffs. Obviously, that's been a big conversation all this week. And you have a rookie playing quarterback against you and Kenny Pickett, and he's had a couple of big drives to save them over the last couple of weeks. What have you noticed that their defense has done over these last few weeks to keep them in ball games? I think it starts with T.J. Watt. Um, you know, he kind of missed the good first part of the season, um, you know, with his injury. But he's come back, and I mean, they've really turned it around. Their, their run defense has improved immensely. And then, you know, when they make you pass the ball, they can they can really get off to the passer with him and Cam Hayward. Um, you know, Alex Highsmith on the other edge. So they're doing a lot of lot of good things. You know, this week against Baltimore, when Baltimore went heavy, they put six linemen pretty much on the field and two linebackers. We're like, we dare you to run the ball. So. Um, I mean, we dare you to throw the ball. We're going to stop the run. So it's uh, it's definitely a challenging front, and we know they have a lot to play for. You know, I think it's a testament to their, you know, coaching staff getting those guys ready to play every week and and where they were at the season to be in a position to possibly make the playoffs is pretty impressive. And I think we'll be up for the challenge. Joel, we thank you for the time. All the best. Thank you, Joel Batonio, joining us in the player spotlight. When we come back, we'll go around the league. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Browns fans, be a part of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Gerard, we go around the league, and the first thing up, Factor Fiction, Lamar Jackson is a Raven. When training camp opens up seven months from now, Woo-hoo-hoo, doggies. The answer is fact. It would take them more than one season. They need to prepare for his jettison. Granted, you can say, can they do that in the offseason? But, no, they're not letting him go. And right now they're getting more and more examples of why, through Huntley's play, of why he's so important. They'll franchise him. They'll give him 40-something million dollars in the process to do that. So I'm going to say fiction. He will be there. I keep – I think it's fiction. I think he'll be there. I know that the, we're going to hear some we're going to hear some zesty rumors. I, I think we're going to hear some some zesty thing. It, it, you know, this is going to be interesting here because I I want to see how the contract plays out. Does he come back down to earth a little bit? Do they come back to him a little bit? And do they make a deal here? Do we figure out because they've no, been a not. terrible? I mean, they've been scoring what twenty eight points a game with him, and then without him, what eighteen points a game? Like some of that, Gerard. You got to get it figured out. Going, hey, would we have been a different offense without with Lamar Jackson? Yes. Would we have been better? Yes. Would we have had a chance at it? Probably. You know, that's these are conversations that I think they need to have in Baltimore, and I I, I just think it's a little, it's a little cocky to go. Oh, we'll find another Lamar Jackson out there. I think Lamar <laughs> right, well, that that well, one. You know, they don't grow on trees. Exactly. And they don't come out of the draft, but every 10 to 15 to 20 years. So if they're thinking that, which we know they're not because they're a sound organization, they'd be crazy. But we know they're not thinking that. What they're thinking, yeah. though, Ken, is 
We don't want the Joe Flacco experience again, where we give all of our money to a quarterback and we have no way of building around him. That's what they're trying to avoid. And maybe they can come to some type of agreement and get Lamar to see that and understand that. But if I'm Lamar, no, why would I do that? Because he's going to watch Joe Burrow get paid. He's going to yep. watch Herbert get paid. And he's going to say, you know what, why am I not getting paid? He already saw Deshaun Watson get paid. On top so of that. I, and I think, that that's part, I think that's part of it. I wonder, you know, when, when, when you see guys get money, him, Russell Wilson, um, I'm sure, and you brought up uh, you, Joe Burrow's only a matter of time, Josh Allen getting paid. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's an MVP. Right. Lamar Jackson's an MVP. And when you and, and I'm talking emotionally here. I'm not an agent. Lamar Jackson is his own representation, right. and his mother also helps represent him. Now I'm not going <laughs> to say anything bad about a man's mother. That's not right. what I'm trying to do. But no, you understand, that. I'm an emotional person, so I'm going to say emotional things. I'm sure he's prone to do something like that too. So when you see other quarterbacks get paid, and especially in your division, Joe Burrow's going to get paid. Deshaun Watson's already been paid. You're, you're seeing other guys get paid. Yeah, you're going to want to get your money. Right. And so I think for him, you're right about what you say there. I think the Ravens want to try to get him to see whatever reality they're trying to get him to see because I think you do make a valid point going, hey, you, you don't want to have it all on you or you're going to – you're a running guy. You're going to suffer some consequences there. Even if you're a guy who stays in the pocket, you're going to suffer some consequences there. I mean, that's scary. And especially where you have guys like Ronnie Stanley who they've paid and has been hurt – I think that's scary for Lamar Jackson. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out, Gerard. Yeah, it's funny, though. Patrick Mahomes doesn't get that, though, right? I mean, he's getting paid more than Lamar. I mean, he has an insane contract. Half a billion we, dollars. Exactly. But we don't argue about that. Aaron Rodgers obviously gets his money. We don't argue about that. And, Grant, Lamar has not won a Super Bowl. Those guys who I just mentioned have done just that. So yeah. that's a distinguishing factor from them. And obviously how they play quarterback is distinct and different from how he – primarily gets the job done as well so if i'm the ravens i'm gonna just pretty much have to be frank with them and like hey man we'll just keep paying you 40 something million dollars until we figure this thing out and then we know <laughs> that you're a professional and we'll get the best out of you and you get the best out of us and we'll meet we'll try to meet you somewhere down the road two years from now when we lose control you over you gotta, basically hey, that's where all they can do you still got a few more years or a couple more years on the franchise tag, so there, there right. is a way you can do that, I guess. And ki- I hate doing it, but I hate kicking the can down the road, or it feels like you're paying off one credit card with another when, it, when you do franchise tags doing. like that. But you can always do it that way. Uh, who wins the FC South, Tennessee or Jacksonville? They're playing Saturday night. Uh, man, I'm hoping for Dobbs to have a good performance, but I just feel Jacksonville now is the front runner. They played tremendous last week, and I think they're going to beat down the Titans, so I'm going with the Jaguars. They're hot. It's Saturday night, and Jacksonville is a wild city. I've been Hot there. Tub. You've been there. I think that crowd is going to be wild, and uh, I, I think they got it. I'm pulling for Josh Dobbs. I'm re- I really am. Mm-hmm. He's a great, great guy. But uh, I think Jacksonville's going to do it. I think Jacksonville's going to be able to knock him off. Uh, which of the following division winners is the most susceptible to losing in the opening round of the playoffs, Minnesota or Tampa Bay? I think I already know your answer. <laughs> Without a shadow of doubt, it's Minnesota. I mean, they should, they should have lost Knew about it. 10 games this year. And granted, of course, and you know good well I'm riding and dying with Tom Brady, and I should. You see how, I mean, and granted, their slow starts aren't helping their cause. But come on, Ken, you've watched Minnesota, and you've watched them, again, miraculously win against the Bills, and then that whole 33-point comeback, give them props because they're the ones who put it in place, but they also allowed it to take place. But, no, I have to say Minnesota. I think they are so so not 
that team. And right now, it's fair to say that the Green Bay Packers are a better football team than them and possibly the Detroit Lions Real in quick. that division. Real quick, next Christmas, this coming Christmas, Jim Harbaugh will be in Denver, Carolina, or still at Michigan or somewhere else. I got a feeling the Walton's going to make him an offer he can't refuse. So I'm going with Denver. A blue light special, no Ooh. doubt. And that is Around the League. Coming up next, the voice of the York Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, will join us to recap the Commanders game and preview Sunday's matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Brown Steelers coming up on Sunday. You'll hear it right here on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Gerard Cherry, who co-hosts this show, will be on the sidelines for that one. Nathan's girl will be in the booth with the voice here. Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, who joins us right now on the hotline. Jim, good evening. Good evening, guys. Good to be with you. Jim, first things first, I have to ask you about DeMar Hamlin. Monday night, it plays out. You're seeing all this unfold. What what were you thinking as you saw what was going on down in Cincinnati? Well, Ken, I have to tell you, I was very excited, I think like millions of people, uh, to watch the game because I think everybody had it ticketed to be the game of the year. I mean, everybody knew that they were going to meet each other. It was going to be late in the season. Uh, and that they were both going to be great at that time of the year. And, indeed, they were following through with that. And the way the game started, it looked as though it was going to play out that way. It was an electric atmosphere, and the two teams were ready. And then the worst possible nightmare uh, can happen uh, with that playing out and the injury to DeMar Hamlin on the field. And I was just uh, – I just sat – and and watched, and I think, uh, you know, my mouth was just wide open, and I was just shocked at what was going on and what was going to happen next and what was going to happen after that and, uh, you know, what was going to happen with the updates throughout the night. I think I stayed up till about 3 in the morning uh, waiting and listening to ESPN, CNN, to see if there would be more news or any kind of news and certainly any kind of uh, positive news coming out of the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. That was that is the worst nightmare I think that can happen at any sports event or any event anywhere, but certainly at a sports event with seventy thousand people in a stadium and millions of people watching on live television. And Jim, speaking of live television, you're a sports anchor, obviously you're the voice of Cleveland Radio as well. The job that those Aikman and Joe Buck, as well as McFarlane, Colbert, had to do in regards to that situation. How impressed were you with what they had to do in, or in covering that tremendous and tragic situation? Well, Gerard, there's no script for anything like that. I mean, you can go into a game, and I'm sure Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Lisa Salters uh, and all of the people on the pregame show, I mean, you know, they had done their homework for the game. You know, what is Cincinnati going to do? What will Buffalo try to do? Uh, and you kind of have a, you, you know, you can play the game out in your mind. But there is no script for anything like that. I mean, you don't know what's going on. There isn't a great deal of information, I'm sure, streaming into you, coming through your headset, into your ear, and, you know, into your brain to kind of really update people. Um, sometimes saying nothing is perhaps the best thing because it's the most honest emotion because really, you could hear a pin drop in that stadium, 
I mean, everybody didn't know what to do because nobody knew actually what was going on or the severity of it. But as it played out, I thought they did a great job. I mean, just an admirable job to get through that. I mean, you go back, I go back to when Jim McKay had to do the Olympics the day of the Munich massacre uh, of the Olympic Games there. And, you know, they, they show that in television classes and broadcasting classes all across the country in various universities, that the, the ability to be able to talk on your feet, to, you know, talk off the top of your head, but to be able to put something in the right mood and to be able to carry it and not try and do too much, but do the appropriate thing and be intelligent about it. And I think across the board, they all carried that out brilliantly. Yeah, a lot of common sense. Jim Donovan joining us here on the show. Jim, there is football to be played coming up this Sunday. There was football played on Sunday between the Browns and the Commanders. A big conversation that was had was the type of game that Deshaun Watson had against Washington. What type of game did you think that he had against Washington? I thought he had a frightening game in the first half, Ken. I mean, I was really worried about it uh, because I think going into the game, we felt uh, even after the, you know, the frozen Arctic game against uh, New Orleans on, on Christmas Eve, you know, the last drive of that game, he played very well. I mean, it didn't finish the way we all wanted it to, but he did play well uh, considering the conditions. So I think we were looking for steady progress. And I think in the first half, I mean, there was no progress. There were, you know, there was just nothing going on. And it really became kind of a uh, an alarming situation. But um, it completely turned around in the second half, and I thought he was terrific. I mean, I thought he was really good. I thought they were really good with him. And that's going to be the important thing, Ken, as we go along here. There's a marriage that has to go along, uh, that has to happen here between the Browns offense and Deshaun Watson, and vice versa, Watson and the rest of the offense. And I think in the second half of the game Sunday, uh, the nuptials <laughs> the nuptials of that marriage were in, were in <laughs> very good view. I mean, they, they were terrific together. Everything was flowing. And if that's a little snapshot of what we're going to have in the future, well, it looked pretty good to me. And, Jim, looking at the team in its entirety, I felt, especially in the second half, that you saw signs of complimentary football, which we talk about. Yeah. And with that in mind, I'm excited for this weekend's game against the Steelers because I really do believe that it's based on what I heard in the aftermath of the game and excitement in the locker room that this team truly wants to finish out the game, the season strong by playing this game with a lot of intention. Well, I'm happy to hear that, and I definitely saw that, Gerard. I mean, when you're eliminated from the playoffs, as was the case after Christmas Eve, you wonder, uh, you know, you can say you're going to play hard, but are they going to play hard? And I thought they did play hard the entire game, uh, even the rough patch that the offense hit in the first half. But I thought defensively they were good all day long, and I know they had the one tough drive and long drive that they gave up, but I thought the effort was great. Now, they carry that into a big game here coming up on Sunday. It means, you know, a lot to the Steelers, but... Don't fool yourselves. It means a lot to the Browns to go 4-2 and two inside the division, to sweep these guys for the first time since 1988, um, and to kind of claim a little bit of a hold on this rivalry once again. I think it's very, very important. But just the fact that they play good football on the road in a tough setting, and that's going to be a tough setting for them on Sunday, um, I think that's very, very important. That would be a major step and it would give you a really good feeling going into the offseason and getting set for next year. Jim, we thank you very much for the time. All the best, and, of course, we'll talk to you coming up on Sunday morning before the game.
All right, guys, look forward to it. Have a good night. Thank you. You as well. Jim Donovan, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, joining us on the hotline. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches on this one, tell you about the Kevin Stefanski show coming up on Thursday, and get ready for Sunday morning, as we'll get you set for Sunday afternoon and kickoff between the Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw, if you don't play to the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team, and we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Thursday night, the Kevin Stefanski Show, 7 p.m., all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Coach Kevin Stefanski and Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper going to be joining Nathan Zagura and Gerard as the guys count down the days to Sunday season finale with the Pittsburgh Steelers and with that Gerard what are you watching for Sunday against well, Pittsburgh buddy well we're going to see if we can bring that intensity and then what's necessary to beat this team and sweep them for the season and derail Mike Thomas what having a losing record for the first time in his career and his first or the first time in his career he'd be under 500 so that'd be an awesome feat to achieve and then the other part too is obviously strength against strength, their defensive front against our offensive line. And how do we handle that? And what Deshaun Watson does against someone who he hasn't played for in a uniform for the Browns and how he competes. And if that's a good outing, obviously we're going to be positive about that and looking forward to the future. So those are the things I'm looking for. Offensive line play with Ethan Postick coming back. I, I hope to be able to get the run going, but they've been seventh against the run this year, Gerard, the Pittsburgh Steelers have. It might be a little bit tougher sledding than we thought it could be. Uh, certainly will be, and it's always going to be the case with the Steelers. They're not going to give you anything. you got to go take what you want and go get it because they're not going to give it to you with the Steelers. But I'm anticipating, though it means something for the Steelers, it does mean something for us too. And I say it in that, in that definition and description because of the fact that, again, it's your rival, and it's an opportunity to shut them out of the playoffs and send a message into the following season that we are not to be trifled with. Now, you're going to have to play a tight game defensively, Gerard, because just because you look at the interceptions that Kenny Pickett has thrown, he's thrown nine in 12 games, but only mm-hmm. one over the last handful. They've really shortened the routes and have reined him in. They really have not gone vertical over the second half of the season. Not going to be a lot of opportunities for takeaways for this Browns football team, maybe until the fourth quarter, because you know that's when he gets nuts. Yeah, that certainly is, but what I love is the fact that you will have the opportunity to put that big body of Raglan into the defensive front yes. with the defensive line and what that represents along with Carter. I love what I've seen out of them and Jones as well and Fields. Give him some credit because he's been a tackling machine. And I'm hoping to see Grant Delpit continue to do yes. what he's done in the yes. front. So Thursday night, the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the UH Browns Radio Network. Coach, wide receiver Amari Cooper going to be joining Nathan and Gerard. And then Sunday morning, 9 a.m., Browns game day, Gerard and I, 11 a.m., the Cleveland Browns kickoff show with myself, Andy Baskin, and Tyvis Powell. Then 1 p.m. kickoff from Akrisher Stadium in downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Jim, Nathan, and Gerard. A big thanks, as always, to Jason Gibbs, our executive producer, doing a great job all this year. Technical producer, Meredith Kane, always fantastic. Associate producer, Connor Lawrence, always fantastic as well. For Gerard Cherry, I'm Ken Carmen. Thanking you, as always, for listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. 
You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.